Wait, what? So this happened. I'm Rachel Vallesnor, and this is the podcast Hell is Not the End, although it feels like just the beginning sometimes. Is anything really the end, though? This podcast is meant to explore the limitless possibilities of one's own soul. Why do people do bad things? Why are there countless happenings beyond understanding? Why, when we are cautioned not to do something, do we just do it anyway? The definition of curiosity, a strong desire to know or learn something. There you have it. I will curiously explore why. Hell is not the end. Nanny Doss, born Nancy Hazel on November 5th, 1905 in Blue Mountain, Montana. She was born one of five children to Louisa and James Hazel. James was a controlling husband and father. James forced his five children to work on the family farm instead of attending school, so of course contributing to all the children's very poor lack of education. Nanny at age seven, while on a train trip to visit relatives in southern Alabama, Nanny hits her head on a metal bar on the seat in front of her when the train suddenly stops. For many years, she suffers severe headaches, blackouts, and depression. She would later blame the fact that she hit her head on any unstable behavior that she may have demonstrated or may have inflicted on others. During Nanny's childhood, her favorite hobby became reading her mother's romance magazines and creating an unrealistic romantic fantasy future life. Her favorite segment in these romance magazines were always the Lonely Hearts columns. Nanny's father was very strict. When it came to his daughters wearing makeup or wearing any clothing remotely resembling anything provocative, he believed that if he prevented his girls from looking attractive, he was preventing any negative male attention. They were not only allowed to go to any dances, but any type of social event. Nanny, at the age of 16, marries for the first time. Yes, this will not be her only marriage. His name is Charlie Braggs a co-worker she had met at a linen factory. Since she was so young, she needed approval from her father, which she gets. Her father gives his consent for marriage after four months of dating. Charlie's mother, being a single mother, insisted that she would be living with Charlie after he marries. Charlie's mother would take up much of Charlie's time. It would also dictate the amount of time Nanny would spend on certain activities. From 1923 to 1927, Nanny and Charlie have four daughters. Nanny, seemingly stressed out, turns to alcohol and occasional smoking becomes a constant occurrence. Nanny and Charlie's relationship evolves to one of heavy suspicion. They suspect each other of infidelity as there is no trust, as if there was any trust in the first place. Charlie disappears for days on end, sealing the couple's constant unhappiness. In 1927, Nanny and Charlie lose their two middle daughters. It is suspected that it was due to food poisoning. Charlie takes the eldest daughter, Melvina, leaving Nanny with the youngest daughter, Florine, who was an infant at the time, behind. Shortly after Charlie leaves, Nanny gets a job at a cotton mill to support herself and her daughter, as well as Charlie's dying mother. So Charlie returns with the eldest daughter, Melvina. Along with him, he brings another woman back with him and her daughter. Nanny and Charlie decide to divorce. Nanny takes both daughters back to her own mother's house. Charlie had stated that the reason that he left Nanny and in turn divorced her was due to the fact that he was scared of her. Nanny marries her second husband, Robert Franklin Harrelson, in 1929. 
Only after a couple months of marriage, Nanny realizes that her husband is not only an alcoholic, but has a criminal record for assault. Although she seems to despise this, they remain married for 16 years. In 1945, after a drunken-fueled evening, Robert rapes Nanny. The next day, Nanny discovers Robert's jar of corn whiskey hidden in her rose garden. Nanny tops Robert's corn whiskey jar off with rat poison due to the rape being the last straw of her tolerance towards their marriage. He dies that very evening from the rat poison. Nanny marries for a third time, three days after meeting him. His name is Arlie Lanning. She met him through a Lonely Hearts column while traveling through Lexington, North Carolina. Like her second husband, Arlie turns out to be an alcoholic. He also turns out to be quite the womanizer. In this marriage, Nanny would disappear for months on end. But when she was home, she played the doting housewife. So when Arlie dies of what is thought to be heart failure, the town supports her at his funeral. After Arlie's death, the house that Arlie left to his sister, the house that Nanny lives in, burns to the ground. Nanny would get to collect the insurance money on the house. She quickly banks the money. Staying with Arlie's mother, who soon dies in her sleep, Nanny sets off to stay with her sister Dovi. Dovi is bedridden and dies very soon after Nanny's arrival. So, of course, time to find a new husband. Nanny decides to join a dating service called the Diamond Circle Club. She soon meets Richard L. Morton from Janestown, North Carolina. They marry in 1952 in Emporia, Kansas. Unlike the others, Richard does not have a drinking problem. But he does turn out to be a cheater. I guess you can't have everything. In 1953, Nanny's mother Louisa comes to live with Nanny and Richard. It doesn't take long for Nanny to decide to poison her own mother. Like, this happens right away. Nanny doesn't even let her mother really settle in. Not stopping there, she poisons Richard. He's a cheater, right? He dies four months after the, her mother. Later that same year, a month after Richard's death, Nanny finds a new husband. Where is she finding these men? His name is Samuel Das, and he's from Tulsa, Oklahoma. Samuel is a Nazarene minister. He had recently lost his family in a tornado in Madison County, Arkansas. Samuel disapproves of Nanny's love of reading romance magazines and novels. Later that year, Samuel is admitted to the hospital with flu-like symptoms. He would be diagnosed as having a severe digestive tract infection. Samuel is treated accordingly and is released to Nanny's care. While Samuel was in the hospital, Nanny would take out two life insurance policies on him. So when he is released from the hospital, much to Nanny's surprise, she kills him in haste. Samuel's sudden death raises red flags, especially with his own doctor, who quickly orders an autopsy. What does this autopsy reveal? Samuel has been poisoned. His body is riddled with arsenic. Nanny is arrested. Rewind. Back in 1943, Nanny's eldest daughter, Melvinia, gives birth to a son, Robert Lee Haynes, another baby who would follow two years later, but would not survive for long. Melvina, exhausted from labor and groggy from either directly after the birth of her second baby, Melvina is convinced she saw her mother stick a hat pin into the baby's head. 
She asks her husband and her sister Florine about her baby, and they tell her that their mother, Nanny, told them that the baby had died while holding a hat pin. However, the doctors could not conclusively prove that that actually happened. After their baby's death, Melvina and her husband cannot overcome the grief. The couple separates and Melvina starts to date a soldier. Nanny disapproves of the soldier. After a particularly nasty fight between Melvina and her mother, Melvina goes to see her father. When she did this, she did not take Robert with her and instead left him with her mother. While Melvina is gone, Robert dies mysteriously. His death is due to asphyxia from unknown causes. Two months later, Nanny collects a life insurance policy she took out on Robert. Hmm, I wonder how she could have known. Wait, no I don't. Fast forward to Nanny's arrest. Nanny confesses to killing four out of five husbands, her own mother, her own sister, her grandson, and one of her mother-in-laws. The state of Oklahoma where she is convicted only focuses on the death of Samuel Doss. Nanny is prosecuted by the future governor of Oklahoma. She pleads guilty and is sentenced to life imprisonment in 1955. It is stated that the only reason the death penalty was not pursued was due to the fact that she was a woman. Nanny is never charged with any other deaths. Only having served about 10 years of her sentence, Nanny dies of leukemia in the hospital ward of the Oklahoma State Penitentiary. Enter the Conspiracy Corner. is considered the first black widow killer, called the Jolly Widow by many, known to have a cheery disposition. Nanny seems to have read all those romance magazines for inspiration in finding the perfect love. She would say during her confessions that her conscience was clear because she loved all of her husbands. Could it stand to reason that in while search for this perfect love, she killed so many husbands to save herself the disappointment? But why kill the others? What about all the insurance money she collected? Was that love? At the age of seven, Nanny suffered a head injury. Did that contribute as she suffered from a lifetime of headaches, or is that just an excuse? Ah, who knows. My hope is that no one has to live in fear, ever. As always, I will never give up and read the signs. Special thanks to all the reading materials I can get my hands on, internet mostly. Thanks to wikipedia.org and murderpedia.org. Thanks so much for listening. I am Rachel Vallesnor, and this is the podcast, Hell is Not the End. <laughs>